0: Okay, let's continue in the book of Mark, chapter 13. If you have your Bibles at hand, um, please read along. But let me start with a short uh, story. There was a young boy who desperately wanted a watch. Um, but he was told by his parents that he was a bit too young to uh, to have a watch. But he continued to beg for it and ask for it until the whole family was rather tired of of, of hearing about it. And finally his father said, you know, you can have this watch uh, when you are a bit older. And in the meantime, I don't want you to mention the subject anymore. And the next Sunday, the children of the family were asked to recite Bible verses at the breakfast table. And uh, that's a good idea, by the way. I hope... You also do that, teach your children Bible verses, and it is a reminder for ourselves also to do that, Kinza. So, then it was this boy's turn, and he quoted Mark 13, 37. What I say unto you, I say unto all. Watch. And that is the final verse in our passage for today. So let's read Mark 13. Mark 13, verse 1. And as he came about, sorry, and as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left there one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James. And John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. but the one who endures to the end will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is in the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that it may not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now, and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard, I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the end of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. what I say to you I say to all stay awake it's a rather a long passage but it's really one discourse uh, and therefore we will look to this whole passage uh, today and this this discourse is generally called the oliver discourse because Jesus spoke these words as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple. I'm certainly not going to touch on every detail in this chapter. Don't worry, you'll finish within half an hour, I think. And I'm also trying to avoid going into all sorts of uh, controversies, because frankly, there are uh, quite a lot of different views on uh, this chapter. And in general, when it comes to end time teaching, but I do want to give a few um, guidelines when we look to a chapter like this. In the first place, we always need to study a passage in the light of the rest of Scripture, and that is definitely true in in this case, for Mark thirteen. Um, there's a whole body of prophecy to consider with this chapter, and in particular, the book of Daniel and revelation so that is one guideline then it's also important to see that this chapter really has a Jewish atmosphere about it these are Jewish disciples and they ask their rabbi about the future of their temple in uh, verse 4 and then in verse 14 Jesus refers to the prophecy of uh, Daniel concerning what is called the abomination of desolation maybe it doesn't immediately ring a bell but if you read daniel that is about uh, this person who will set up the abomination of desolation in that temple that they are talking about and then he talks about um, further on in the chapter about those in judea so very uh, direct reference to A province in Israel. So the chapter has a Jewish character. And then in the third place, it deals with a specific period of a specific duration in verse 20, unless those days be shortened, or if the Lord had not cut short the days. So there's a number of days given to it. You can read about that in Revelation. A specific period, the Great Tribulation, or also called the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob, of course, refers to Israel, Jeremiah 13, verse 7. Personally, I believe, uh, together with many others, that, um, yes, the church will go through tribulation. There will always be tribulation, as the Lord uh, predicted already. But I believe that the church will not go through what is called this specific period the great tribulation i believe that the church will be raptured before that uh, period starts but i also know that many students of prophecy do interpret things differently and as i said i'm not going into the details of uh, all of that in this sermon Somebody is making funny. So I'd I'd rather uh, focus on the fourth guideline, and that is the practical application um, for us. You know, Jesus did not give this discourse just to satisfy our curiosity, um, or even to straighten the Maybe confused thinking that even the disciples had about the future. Because four times we read the words, take heed, or in the ESV, see to it. Take heed. And four times we read this word, watch, or be on guard. Jesus is warning them preparing them and equipping them so that they will stand firm in the midst of danger and persecution and deception. And I think that is where over the heads of the disciples, really, the Lord Jesus um, looks us into the eyes, over the heads of the disciples and also beyond the specific time frame of the Great Tribulation, he looks to us. And I hope we can learn uh, from that. When you go to a high-end shopping mall, like uh, at Maria Bay Sands in Singapore, or maybe in a KLCC, or at any airport, with those high-end shops, you see those watches that some people buy that really make you wonder why checking the time or checking the date should cost you 50,000. It seems to me that these expensive watches, Rolexes and all these things, They really serve another purpose than the original purpose for why watches uh, were made. And I can just imagine that this businessman on this picture is actually late for his appointment because he was busy matching his watch with his suit. Likewise, I think there's always a danger that we miss the point in a similar way when it comes to chapters like this. Whenever God shares part of the future with us in His Word, He never does that so that we can show off and impress others with our knowledge about the future, or even worse, to fight over it. When He says, take heed and watch, both four times in this passage, He certainly wants us, so to speak, to use this watch for its proper function, to discern the times and to make sure that we are ready. So let's look to this chapter and we will see what we can learn uh, today. I have three headings. Um, We call that the comfort of autumn, the cold of winter, and the coming of spring and summer. Of course, Malaysia doesn't have seasons, I realize that, but still I think that most of us can relate to the idea of seasons and uh, for me as being a dutch man of course seasons is uh, something very familiar so we start with the comfort of autumn the chapter opens with the disciples being impressed by the beauty of the temple was really their temple since they were 12 years old any jewish boys and that included the disciples they would celebrate the passover and see the temple every year they would make that pilgrimage really the best time of the year um, with a lot of singing and laughter and maybe campfires and then as they reached jerusalem they would see the city in the distance and that beautiful and huge temple and um, you can just imagine there was lots of nostalgia and then in verse three it mentions Peter and Andrew and John and James. Peter and Andrew were brothers and John and James, were also brothers. So the idea of family. And I think we can relate to that. For many of us living overseas isn't always easy. You miss home and you miss your loved ones. So the nostalgia and the family. The same two ideas and i think one of the reasons why i personally struggle with this pandemic is because things just feel weird you suddenly cannot just board a plane and go home not that i would board a plane and go home but just the idea that you can't do it is difficult plus the idea that home has changed home is currently adapting to what they call the new normal, and we don't want that. We want this virus to be over so that things go back to normal, and that is the old normal, not a new normal. So I miss that comfort of autumn, you know, when it's chill and rainy and windy outside, but inside, we sit on the couch around the fireplace, at my parents' place, for example, nice, warm and cozy, and my mother makes coffee i miss that the comfort of autumn and i think for many of us this pandemic is a wake up call that this world is not a cozy place winter is coming i'm not going i'm not saying that this pandemic is not going to pass and thankfully things seem to go better uh, slowly hopefully things will go back to normal And yet, in this chapter, Jesus breaks the news to his disciples that this good old temple that they were so familiar with is going to be destroyed. That must have been really disturbing for them. You see, Jesus does not promise us the comfort of autumn. But he does encourage us not to look back, but to look forward beyond winter to spring and autumn. As I said, I don't hold the view that the church will go through that unparalleled winter cold of the Great Tribulation itself, but as the world, with Satan behind it, is getting ready for what I would call the unfolding of the end times, I do think that the climate will grow colder and colder as winter approaches. Verse 8 uh, uses a different metaphor. It talks about the beginning of bird pains. So winter is coming. Winter in the Netherlands is a time where you need to be more careful. They say when there's an R in the month, so that is uh, October, September, October, November, December. January, February, March, April, then you need to eat more butter and more vegetables to be physically fit. You need to dress warmly uh, before you go out, and when you walk outside you need to be um, extra careful, especially in the morning, because the roads might be slippery once the temperature drops below zero. Now bears, polar bears and other bears, they like to hibernate during winter, but Not us. To us, his disciples, Jesus says, Take heed, or in the ESV, be on guard. And he says, Watch, or keep awake. And there are two things in particular for which we need to be on guard. In the first place, deception. Verse 5 says, And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. And again in verse 22 and 23. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. So this is no joke. Complacency and laziness is dangerous. There are powers more powerful than you and me at work to lead people astray. And they do that very convincingly. Signs and wonders. You say, how how can I ever detect a lie if there is plain evidence? I mean, these signs and wonders are real. And there's only one answer to that, and that is what Jesus says in verse 23, I have told you all things beforehand. In other words, the word of God. Now sometimes you can be so confused because of an overload of information, opinions, worldviews, science. Sometimes you feel like, you know what, I just, I just don't know anymore. Let me, just, let me just accept that I don't know. Let's just focus on the here and now, because that seems to me the only thing that is... That I know for sure. But Jesus says something different. He says the here and now isn't even sure. And I think the pandemic proves that. He says heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. You might see a miracle happen in front of your eyes. And it still can be a lie. In fact, Jesus says, this is going to happen. Signs and wonders, miracles in front of your eyes. And still it is a lie. But one thing is sure, the word of God. So make sure that you know and believe the word of God. It is vital for yourself and also for your children. But there are two words that I find very comforting in verse 23. It says, that these false Christs and false prophets will do all these things to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Now this if possible means that in other words it is not possible. The Lord knows who belong to him and he will keep them. But that is the Lord's business. Our business is to be on guard. So that's the first thing deception secondly persecution verse 9 but be on guard for they will deliver you over to councils you will be beaten in synagogues you will be and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them persecution i think most of all most of most of us if not all have little experience with severe persecution maybe you have experienced some persecution as in you know your co- colleagues not being nice to you or that sort of things but here in Mark verse 9 and verse 12 it mentions beating and death we don't know what it is as in we have never experienced that sort of persecution, but it has been, and still is, reality for thousands of our brothers and sisters. I'm not sure what, what you think about these uh, slides that I've been adding to the PowerPoint every week, where we pray for the persecuted church. Maybe you're like, okay, another country, let's say a prayer, uh, and that's it. And frankly, sometimes that is how it goes, for, even for myself also. But I remember one night that we had this um, Young People's Gathering back in the Netherlands where Open Doors gave a presentation about Christians in North Korea. And they were sharing with us the depth of their suffering. I mean, what's happening in that country is like Holocaust, gas chambers, experiments. It is unbelievable what Christians go through in those labor camps and prison camps. And as they were sharing with us the suffering and the price that fellow believers pay for following Christ, that night I experienced what it means to pray. My goodness, we prayed, we pleaded, we were interceding for these Christians. Are we familiar with that kind of prayer? For the persecuted church and are we even considering the option of suffering ourselves for the sake of Christ now as we are talking about seasons autumn winter the climate even in this country might change suffering might come our way are we considering that even is that even an option for us that we suffer for the sake of Christ Are we doing things that might actually get us in trouble for the sake of Christ, as the apostles did? Or are we taking no risk at all? See, Jesus does not say, be on guard so that they will not deliver you over. He is not encouraging us to hibernate. He says, be on guard for they will deliver you over. So, be ready, be prepared. And why is that? read that in the next verse verse then the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations when is the last time that you cried over lost souls are we prepared to be hated for all by all for his name's sake as it says in verse 13 are we avoiding trouble, or are we prepared to face trouble, to bear witness before people that are still lost? In verse 11, the help of the Spirit is promised when we actually step out and do it. Then it says in verse 18, Pray that it may not happen in winter. So that he's talking about the Great Tribulation, that specific period. But he says, pray that it may not happen in winter. In other words, when the real winter, that real tribulation comes, pray that it will not happen during the actual winter, when it is cold outside and um, which would make it even worse to bear. So what I learned from that is that prayer affects the way things go even though God is sovereign, even though he has shared his plans in his word already. The actual procedure of how things go and when things happen are affected by prayer. We listen to our prayers if indeed we pray. Then finally, the coming of spring and summer. The chapter closes with the promise of spring and summer. The fig tree is mentioned and this fig tree in verse 28 shows signs that summer is coming Jesus will come again you don't know when and we are really not speculating uh, people have done that you know setting dates to the return of Christ that is useless because he did not share the day but what we do know is When we see, look around, when we see what's happening in this world, politically, the Middle East and elsewhere, the financial world, technology, the digital world where all our information is collected and stored, all we know is that winter is coming. But God never gave us a specific date. And you wonder why not? Wouldn't that have been more convenient? Um, you know, at least we would know when to get ready but that is exactly the point we always need to be ready to meet our Lord He did not give us a watch but instead He said watch don't hibernate don't fall asleep you Now, that might look attractive during this pandemic to just withdraw, hibernate, wait for the thing to be over but there is work to do if we turn to the last passage, verse 32 through 37, it says, stay awake, watch, and pray. In verse 33 and 34 and 35 and 37, it keeps repeating. And in this, in this parable, the Lord has left. He is gone. And we know he's gone back to heaven. And he's leaving his servants in charge. And that is you and me it's work in other passages it talks about talents but here the word is work there is work to do and I think for any earthly boss we wouldn't even consider to not do our work but what about the work that the Lord of Lords has assigned to us so what is it that I'm supposed to do you know if there's work what What is it for me personally? What must I do? Well, to start with, stay awake. Pray. Know that the Lord can return anytime. And I trust that when we are alert and praying people, and when we are expecting the Lord to return, we will be in the right attitude to hear from Him what He wants us to do. He will show us what to do next. Now, maybe after listening to all this, you're like, man, what a cold winter sermon. We are already stuck in this pandemic, and then you preach about some more tribulation. Let me try to end on a positive note. When you look to this chapter and the preceding chapters, I'm impressed by the peace of Jesus. This, chapter 13, is one chapter before he goes to Gethsemane and then in the next chapter he goes to Calvary, where he will be crucified. There was a terrible winter at hand for him, a tribulation beyond comprehension. But does he panic? He is at peace. He trusts God completely. When you read these chapters, you see him walk, and he talks, he answers questions, he asks questions, he just does the next thing. And if you go back to chapter 12, where Craig was preaching last week, chapter 12, verse 41, he actually sits down. And he quietly watches this poor widow contributing two small coins. Two small copper coins. That was her contribution to the temple. She could have given just one and, and keep the other one, but she gave both. And Jesus could have said, You know, lady, don't bother, this temple is going to be destroyed anyway. But no, it was still the house of his father. Jesus was not pessimistic. And may you read this chapter, Mark 13, that could make you very pessimistic. You know, Jesus is gone back to heaven. We, his servants, we struggle. Winter is coming. We don't know when he's coming back. And all that is true. But then I think of Jesus sitting there quietly. He's not far away. He's very near, actually. And it is as if he is saying, I see... Your contribution, no matter how insignificant. And I see your heart too. Now, this woman that gave all that she had, she rather trusted God than trusting her little money. And when she dropped those two coins in that box, you can almost see Jesus acknowledging that gift with a slight nod of his head and a smile on his face. Thank you. You didn't think it was a lot, but I think it was. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we are impressed by your calmness as we see you walking in this final week before your crucifixion. We can not imagine what tribulation was waiting for you. But again, we thank you that you took our place. Lord Jesus help us to learn from your peace. You trusted God, your Father, even when the majority of people were rejecting not only your ministry, but even your sacrifice. Even today. And we know that rejecting Christ comes with consequences. Winter will come. Father, we thank you for saving us out of judgment. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Father, we do not ask you to put on our shoulders that full weight of truly realizing what it means to be lost. We cannot carry that weight. We cannot carry a lost world on our shoulders. But we do ask you to give us just enough of realizing that, just enough to activate us, to move us, to start working, to reach out to people, to warn them, to plead with them, to build relationships with them, to show Christ to them through our words and actions. Father, help us to not be deceived. Help us to be ready to be persecuted. Help us to look forward to spring and summer. In the Lord Jesus in the Lord Jesus' name we pray that okay.